Good morning, all. Uh, it is June 6, 2022. Pete Hofstra here with an update on North American equities. And don't want to rehash some of the things we've talked about in the last couple of calls from the, the situation in the world. Everything kind of remains uh, as it has been the inflationary pressures, higher energy uh, relating to Russia's invasion of the Ukraine, concern over food supply chain. Um, the wheat market is absolutely going to be disrupted. So all of these things that we've talked about before remain true. I think the big message um, to really connect with you on this morning is the importance of keeping <clears throat> excuse me, clients fully engaged in their equity, at least continuing to hold as painful as it can be, and even potentially allocating more at a point in time. And we'll talk about um, the dreaded word timing when it comes to equity, and we should never do that, but certainly share our thinking. Uh, but I think the real reason behind all of this is what's important for people to realize that what's happening in the world, and whether that's a nasty scenario, whether that's a positive scenario, does not necessarily correlate with what happens in the stock market. And so by the time the world is a healed and happy place, if you wait for that to buy into the stock market, you're going to completely miss the turn and a huge part of the upside, which will dramatically impact your longer term returns. And so this is the hard part. You don't know when that is going to come. You know that the turn will come before it's obvious. And therefore, the only way to benefit from that is to stay uh, engaged in the market. I would say if you could only buy the market in times of stress or you can only buy the market in times of optimism, um, you clearly should only be buying the market in times of stress. So you'll get much higher returns over the long run if, if that's sort of when you pick your extra entry points. And we're certainly at a point of, of significant stress. But the bigger high-level question is, what is the 10-year bond rate going to be three years from now? Right, Because that's ultimately what's going to determine the multiple on the stock market. And so if that 10-year bond rate is sort of sub-2% is where we were prior to COVID, we're going to make fantastic returns from stocks from here. We're going to go back to the multiples that we had seen on sort of in, in um, early 2020. Uh, and even in through 2021, uh, and we're going to see earnings growth between now and then. So, you know, that's a chance to make tremendous returns. If that 10-year bond rate three years from now is a bit higher, say 3 or 4%, we're going to make very good returns from this level. Uh, because even without any improvement in multiples, the companies continue to earn through this. Uh, and so really that scenario is important. And so what is ultimately going to determine that scenario? And that's the persistence of inflation. Uh, and certainly that's what the whole talk is. That's what central banks are responding to. When you look at the inflationary pressures, some could certainly persist. When you think about reworking uh, food supply lines, uh, that can have a persistent impact. Energy probably does roll over. At some point, it becomes deflationary. There's lots of oil in the world. Uh, you know, we can accelerate the use of, of substitutes and that sort of thing. So that probably becomes a deflationary force. Uh, and labor is one to watch quite closely. Um, the, the U.S. has had no consistent immigration policy, which has created a shortage of labor, uh, particularly for the services industry. Uh, and so a, a shift in immigration policy and sort of some of the larger geographies can certainly make a, a big difference uh, in, in inflation. And, and obviously the full healing in China as they are starting to open up and will engage factories fully and, and move beyond zero COVID policy that can obviously heal supply chains and also be deflationary. So a number of forces that we want to, we want to watch very closely. In the mean, to, in the, in the, the here and now, it really is around that consumer spending is going to determine how high central banks can go with interest rates in the current environment. And what you're seeing is the consumer, that discretionary wallet is being consumed by things like food and energy. So there's less to spend on travel and services. In fact, we are seeing people eating into their savings. So we're all keen to get out there and live again in this post-COVID world. 
Uh, and so they, we've committed to those travel plans and some of those socialization plans. Uh, but ultimately, that, as that eats into savings and we get worried about higher costs with higher interest rates, people are certainly going to slow down that spending. And we'd submit central banks don't want to necessarily, they want to get off of zero boundless rates, but they want to be careful to not trigger a recession. And so they're leaning heavily on that forward guidance. As I said, the example I could use is, you know, if my kids are in university and they're living a party lifestyle, you know, and my forward guide to them is, you're, I'm not subsidizing your rent and covering your tuition for you to live like that. So either start to behave yourself and live within a budget, or like you're on your own. I'm going to cut out, you know, the, the subsidies. And ideally, they said, all right, all right, I'm going to change my behaviors and live with my means, and then I don't have to cut their rent subsidies, and I don't have to stop covering their tuition. And that's what that forward guidance is intended to do. We're going to have to raise rates, right, if things continue like this, but if people naturally slow down, they don't have to raise rates. But I think that's where that recessionary risk comes in, is do they feel they have to come through on that threat? If my kids continue to live that lifestyle, I'm going to have to come through and ultimately tip them into a difficult position. And so that recessionary risk is real. I don't think we should pretend it isn't as we engage with clients. But the point is, we almost need to have it happen now. If we said, okay, here we're in a recession, the market probably goes higher because it says, okay, fine. It's in the books. We know what we had to do to fight inflation and we can start to look out the other side. And so again, back to that broader theme is bad news within the world does not necessarily mean negative for the stock market. Again, and that's the hard part and why it's so important to stay engaged with equity. So a little bit there around getting that broader context correct. Hopefully that's useful. Uh, and as always, uh, follow up anytime and we'll check in with you in another month. Be well. This podcast is provided as a general source of information and should not be considered personal, legal, accounting, tax, or investment advice, or construed as an endorsement or recommendation of any entity or security discussed. Investors should seek the advice of professionals prior to implementing any changes to their investment. Certain statements in this podcast are forward-looking that are predictive in nature, depend upon, or refer to future events or conditions. Forward-looking statements are subject to risks, uncertainties, and assumptions that could cause actual results to differ materially from those set forth. Although the forward-looking statements contained herein are based upon what CI Global Asset Management and the Portfolio Manager believe to be reasonable assumptions, neither CI Global Asset Management nor the Portfolio Manager can assure that actual results will be consistent with these forward-looking statements. Certain statements contained in this podcast are based in whole or in part on information provided by third parties, and CI Global Asset Management has taken reasonable steps to ensure their accuracy. Market conditions may change, which may impact the information contained in this podcast. Commissions, trailing commissions, management fees, and expenses all may be associated with mutual fund investments. Please read the prospectus before investing. The indicated rates of return are the historical annual compounded total returns, net of fees and expenses, payable by the fund, including changes in security value and reinvestment of all dividends or distributions, and do not take into account sales, redemption, distribution, or optional charges or income taxes payable by any security holder that would have reduced returns. Mutual funds are not guaranteed, their values change frequently, and past performance may not be repeated.